This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless this is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 545 with Pauline Chung. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 545. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Pauline Chung is a woman's leadership speaker and coach on a mission to show professional women how to trust their voices and create professional and personal success without conceding to people-pleasing and perfectionism. Despite over 12 years as an international executive working with Fortune 500 C-suite and senior level leaders in the areas of strategy, marketing, and business development, Pauline comes from humble beginnings. She knows how challenging it is to step into the unknown and navigate the fear of failure and judgment. Her deep compassion for women wrestling with similar desires and demons helps her coaching clients and audience members break out of their fears and step into full visibility as their unique and brilliant selves. Pauline is a professionally certified coach with the Coactive Training Institute, a leading ICF accredited organization, and she holds an MBA from Cass Business School, and she also serves on the coaching faculty for the LEAP organization, which is Leadership Education for Asian Pacifics. I invited Pauline on this episode or into this conversation after I was actually doing a training in a group for a friend and Pauline was part of that training. And as Pauline listened and learned, she asked a question about 
being a guest on podcasts. And as she shared what she wanted to talk about, I was like, hey, I want you to be a guest on my podcast. So here we are. So I'm so excited to have her here. Listen in to hear Pauline share how she had to juggle work with motherhood as her child needed extra medical attention, how she's working on harmonizing her work and home life, and why the concept of harmonizing is more full of ease than seeking quote unquote work-life balance, why time is currency and the value of time and sometimes over money as well, how she grew up with the message, it's not safe to be me as a Chinese girl growing up in England, how she found safety by making others happy at the cost of making herself happy, how she recognized the truth about fear and stopped letting it prevent her from going after the things that she wanted, even if she didn't know how she was actually going to get them. She shares her journey from corporate to culinary school to coaching other women We dive into the three specific ways women can stay in their own way, preventing them from taking a stand. We talk about what belonging actually looks and feels like and how you can own who you are to create a more confident sense of belonging. And then we end with how to overcome the constant internal battle of being too much and not enough at the same time. This is a good conversation. You are going to want to take some notes and you might want to listen more than once. So with all that said, please help me welcome Pauline Chung to the Shameless Mom Academy. Pauline, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. I have to tell our listeners how this came to be because I think there's a good lesson in here. And I just always like to share how interviews come to be. Sure. I had the opportunity to speak to, so my friend Alexia Vernon has a mastermind of women who are speakers and doing all sorts of amazing things in leadership, and you're one of her members. So Alexia said, hey, can you come in and talk to my mastermind community about podcasting? And you made some comments and asked a couple of questions. And as you were speaking, I was like, Pauline, you need to pitch me. (laughs) I need you to come on my show. And so you did. You followed up and sent this email about like, hey, I'd love to be on the show. Here's what we could talk about. And here we are. And so I think that's a great example of being open and aware and also making an ask when it feels right, which is what I did. And then you like the follow up and being like, yes, I'm in. Let's go. Yeah, it's just another example of how things just happen when you your intentions are set a certain way and things just magically happen. And so I call these like serendipity moments. Yeah, totally, totally. And I said this to you in, in our pre-interview, but I've learned over time because the world moves at such a fast pace that I used to think like, oh, that Pauline had a great question. I should follow up and with an email. And But I've learned that like, no, you just need to do it in the moment and be like, let's just make this happen. Let's go. Because otherwise I would either forget to follow up or it would take too long because especially life as it is right now at the beginning of 2021, things are just moving at a pace that's too fast unless, so like we have to push pause in the moment and be like, let's make sure this happens. Yes. Yes, absolutely. 100% Sarah. Yes, yes. So tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Oh, okay. So I, you know, before before I had my son, I was a bit of a workaholic. Well, a lot of a workaholic, I should say. And after I had my son, you know, he, I was, you know, again, it's about plans. You know, you make plans and something else happens and you have to roll with it. So he had a little bit of a health issue in the beginning of his early years. And so I spent a full year doing physical therapy with him and I just completely stepped off away from work. But I became a full-time mom for a little while and And then it was a case of, you know, a few years in, and he's totally fine now. He's 12 now. A few years in, it was trying to find that balance between work and being a mom. 
because I was never one of these that wanted to be, that felt, I wish I was, <laughs> but, you know, just be happy being a stay-at-home mom. But I just wasn't made that way. So it was finding that balance. And, you know, last year, 2020, I felt like, oh, finally, I was th- my third year officially as a coach. And I had all these plans laid out. And then COVID happened, right? <laughs> so it forced me to slow down and rethink. You know, it's, again, it's plans going out the window. My husband that traveled a lot was no longer traveling. He was at home full time. My son was doing school from home full time. And that just messed everything up. Everybody's home. All the, Yes. <laughs> I'm sure there was a little bit like, oh, my husband's home more. This is great. And then also, oh, my gosh, he's home all the time. <laughs> yeah a little bit I like my space yeah I totally get it and we're in a two-bedroom condo so it's not like we have lots of rooms to you know go into but I finally feel like things are getting back on track again in 2021 you know the vaccines are out and things are looking up and anyway with the slowdown of 2020 it's forced me to really take a look at harmonizing both work and my personal life and I've come to see that you know it's not so much Money matters, but also time matters. So time is a real currency for me. By And I've really tried not to overstuff my calendar and set targets that, you know, when I don't meet them, I beat myself up about them. So I've learned to let a lot of that go. That That's part of my being shameless, <laughs> more shameless. Yeah. I love it. There's two things that you just said that I think are so important. And I don't know if anyone's ever used so maybe once or twice, but not recently, using the word harmonizing. And so you said you're working on harmonizing your work and your home life. And I love that. And I want, can you explain that a little bit more? Because I think that's a really powerful, that's different than when we hear like juggling home and work or balancing. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I used to say work-life balance, but it makes it feel like it has to be 50-50. And then we end up judging ourselves when we're not giving ourselves that exact balance, right? Whereas harmonizing, it's a blend and blends can be different depending on different moments in life, different seasons in life. So that word just felt, had more ease around it, you know, and less perfection, less rigidity, I should say. Yeah, I love that. I love the the full of ease. It's funny, (laughs) for like probably three or four years in a row, one of my words for the year has been ease. And every year I look back, I'm like, hmm, did I find more ease in the last year? I'm not sure. (laughs) Maybe I need to use that word again. So I love, I feel like there's a lot of alignment there with that idea of not having the rigidity and then also not looking and struggling for that 50-50 and then feeling like you're failing because you're not hitting that. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. The other thing you said is time is currency. Oh, so true. Can you explain what that means? Well, you know, we're so busy chasing and don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with making money and having achievements. I realized for me that making money was about having more time to do other things. And I realized, how about we just cut out the middleman? (laughs) Maybe I don't need as much money. I need more time. And once I gave myself more of that space, things just flowed a lot better. I was less anxious, you know, and so I really value time as a currency rather than just money. It's not one or the other, it's both. And I think we can get lost in the achieving stuff, getting stuff and forgetting that what we want is part of what we want. Well, part of what I want is more time to do the things I really want, which is spend with family and friends and on the interest. And luckily, I love what I do. So that doesn't feel hard at all. 
Yeah. I learned over the last 10 years or so that time freedom is my most important value, like core value around being an entrepreneur. And when that became clear, decision making became so much easier because anything that would encroach on time freedom became a very easy no. (laughs) And then building things that would provide time freedom became a much easier yes. Even if it felt a little challenging to make things happen or get things to a certain place, if I could see like, this is worth it because it's going to ultimately give me time freedom, then I'm all in. Yep. I'm all in on that too. Yes. So can you tell us a little about your story and your journey into the work that you do today? Yeah. It's amazing how some of the messaging that we pick up at a very young age just stay with us and not all of it is helpful. So for me, you know, one of the really unhelpful messages I picked up from a young age was that it wasn't safe to be me, that I didn't belong or fit in being me. So, you know, the backstory is I Asian, Chinese to be specific, and I was born and raised in England. And in in a small town, predominantly white, and the school I went to, I was the only Chinese person there. And so it was, you know, from a very early age, it was made quite obvious for me that, you know, the way my eyes looked, my face, my skin color didn't fit in. It was a source of bullying and a source of getting teased by kids, you know, just like some, and when I look back now, I can see that, you know, other people were bullied too. And maybe it was because they wore glasses or they had red hair, you know, for something else. For me, it was something that I couldn't change about myself. And so that was not fun. And as a result of that, the way I ended up feeling safe and feeling validated about who I was, was by making others happy. I happened to be a good student. And so the teachers were happy with me. If I didn't do anything when I got teased and if I, you know, that the kids that were nice to me, I went along with what they wanted to do. That just made my life easier. And also at home, you know, I'm the eldest of five. And traditionally being the oldest, you have to be extra responsible. You're leading by example. And so that was the messaging that I picked up. And that was the unconscious behaviors I picked up. So my journey really has been one of shedding those beliefs over time and in order to be more who I am. Things changed when I got to college, but you know, things were a little bit more diverse. And, but it's interesting how that message of putting others first and making sure others are happy to the point that sometimes it's to my own detriment, that, that still keeps coming back in different layers. <laughs> it's, it's shedding of layers. So it's been a journey of doing that and just taking leaps in my life, in my career, and moving to different countries to work in to really see that, oh, I can really follow who I want to be and what I want to do. I could see that I still did it incrementally. It wasn't like one big aha moment, one big leap. And then, you know, everything everything is magically okay. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is 
around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Yeah. And so through my own experience, I know things can get better. You don't have to be a hostage to those messages from that you picked up from a young age. And what I see now is that, you know, there's so many talented women out there who play small because they lack the confidence and they lack the, you know, they have the voice, but they lack the confidence to step out into it. And since I've been able to do it for myself, I understand what fear is. I've transformed my relationship to that fear. I really want to help other women do that too. So that's what's brought me to the work that I do today. I think it's so powerful that you said that you found safety in making others happy. And I feel like that's relatable from the standpoint of so many women. You have this very unique experience being a little 
Chinese girl growing up in England, which is definitely more unique than many of our listeners' situations. But I think women in general also get messaging around that. And then the more marginalized groups you are in, or the more identities that you carry that are not as widely accepted, or often excluded, the more that probably becomes a safety net. And the costs, I'm sure are correlate with how many different ways you might be marginalized or how many different groups you might be in, you know, to be a girl, to be Chinese, to be in, to not be in China, to be in England. Those are like all those layers. And so what would you say were the costs of making others happy? You've alluded to a little bit of it, but I'm curious if you, what you've been able to identify over time is those costs of finding safety in that way and then recognizing how expensive that might have been for you. I think for me, the cost and it's interesting, you, you know, I don't see that I've done badly in life. I've still done pretty well. It's amazing how far you can get just by making others happy, by relying on pure hard work and getting qualifications, you know, ticking off the checkboxes that other people expect you to, right? What, you know, regardless of whether I'm Chinese or not, we, we're used to chick- ticking off checkboxes for other people. But as a result, I feel like I could have gotten further faster. I feel like I could have spoken up sooner. And because I grew up in an environment where I didn't know better, right? I didn't know better. I didn't see role models. And I'm going back 20 plus years now. And we're still on that journey as women, as human beings. We're still on that journey of making the world a more equal and just place. But, you know, 20 years ago, there, there wasn't you know, Sheryl Sandberg hadn't written her book Lean In and right, right. we didn't have all these wonderful books and people and even the media actually taking notice of it in the same way that we do now. So, yeah. So in that sense, I have a lot of hope for the generations uh, beneath me. Beneath me, I sound so old. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the um, same way. So, But that makes so much sense. Go ahead. I see the people who are in their 20s and 30s, women that are like me, and in some ways they've moved, but in other ways they're still deep down a little, it's like they're still waiting for permission. And I want to be one of those to tell them, you're ready, you know, you can speak, you don't have to wait for permission from someone else. And that was the thing that held me back probably more than anything else. The waiting for other people's permission? Yeah. Were you also waiting for, and this might be, these two words might be interchangeable or maybe not. Were you also waiting for invitations? So like, instead of qualifying yourself, like, Hey, I should go for this promotion or I should try this thing or go into this new area thinking that not only maybe did you need permission, but also like thinking, well, if someone invited me or suggested to me, that would be the next right step. Then I would do that. But otherwise I maybe would not see that as the right next step for me. Yeah, there's that. And, you know, for me, for sure, a lot of that is down to, it felt like it was my culture. And also what might be slightly different about the UK and in the US is that there is a tendency to, you know, wait until you're given it rather than going asking for it, right? This whole approach of asking, asking for that job, asking for that promotion isn't seen to be the right thing to do. And so, you know, I really took that to heart far too much, knowing what I know now, right? And at the same time, I guess I was lucky in that I had some good bosses and mentors. And on the one hand, you have all this messaging that's in your head, but I got glimpses of what was possible for me. I I fully remember one partner at a consulting firm that I used to work at, and we were on a project and, you know, we're presenting to the board and the CEOs. 
And he said, you need to speak up more. And I really took that as a criticism, as if I didn't check a box. What I didn't realize was that, you know what, he wants me to speak up more because I have something valuable to say. I have value to share. And so it's just, that was enough. It was just little glimpses to still give me hope, right? To, so that I didn't fully buy into, you know, what I call it my inner critic, what my inner critic tells me that you're not good enough for this. And maybe, you know, you got here because you were lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about this cultural conditioning around being subservient and secondary and what that looks like? And then also how you've worked to overcome that and what that undoing has been like? Yeah. So I think there's an added layer to, I mean, first of all, you know, as women, we all suffer that double bind of, you know, we want to be competent, but if you're too competent, you're not likable enough. Right. So we, we, we all suffer that. And then for me, on top, there was this pull between Eastern cultural values and Western cultural values. Whereas, you, you know, you're, as an Asian, for me, growing up, it was, you know, you think of the collective first, you don't think about yourself. And, you know, which is not wrong in its entirety. But when you take that to extreme, where it's all about them and you forget about yourself, that's where the problem lies. So I struggled with that because I could see things that I liked from my heritage and then saw things that I like about, you know, what we would call more of a westernized approach. So it was trying to find that balance between, you know, for myself. And and it was work and, you know, for a long time I still relied on having qualifications and through sheer hard work to help myself move forward. How I overcame it was just that I took an interest in, in personal development, what you might call it used to get called self-help, right? And so I have stacks of books. So I think 20 plus years ago, I was destined for this kind of work. And I actually thought about it, but I put it on hold. I put it on the back burner because I thought, you know, one, I need more life experience. Two, things are going fairly well corporate-wise. And so I forgot all about it. But, you know, I took to heart a lot of what was in those books, trying to apply it to myself, uh, taking leaps of faith. And, you know, the first time things work out, it can feel like a fluke. But what I've since done, you know, through whether it's, you know, buying a one-way ticket to move to Hong Kong for a few years or then stepping off, you know, I haven't saved up enough money, but I decided I'd go back to business school again and do that and making changes from one career to another. What I've learned through that process is that, you know, that fear, it always shows up to, but it's understanding, separating the fear of like a real scare you know clear and present danger where like you're gonna die and fear that's just because you're entering a you're putting yourself into something that's new that's unknown for you and there's a difference between intention and having attachment to the outcome so I've learned that things always work out for me not exactly in the way that I imagined it and but it's always worked out and I've done it a few times now that I feel good about taking that approach. There's trust in that approach. And I want to help others get over that fear that they have of, you know, uncertainty. Yeah, I love these examples that you've used, because I'm laughing, 
because they're things I would never do. And <laughs> but they're things I greatly admire in other people. I'm just going to buy a one way ticket to Hong Kong and see what happens and see how long I want to be there. Or I'm just going to sign up for, you know, enroll in law school, even though I don't have the money, but I'm sure like it'll show up. And I so admire people that live that way, because I absolutely agree with you that things have a really wild and serendipitous way of working out. And even if it doesn't work out the way you thought it would, you're like, huh, well, this isn't where I thought this was going to go. But look at where I am and the opportunities I have within that. And it really does create this sense of power that can't be taken from you when you can approach things like that. And like I said, I'm not so much like that. Like, I want to know, like, I can make these payments on these dates. <laughs> yeah, but it's funny how you say that, Sarah. I recently listened to your episode, you know, your and belated happy birthday, by the way, your fifth birthday. Oh, thank you. Yes, five-year birthday of the show. But I remember you saying that, oh, you know, if, if you, you know, for you, it might not feel like a big deal. For me, it's like, oh, wow, starting a podcast, right? But you went off and you did that and look where it's gone. That You had no idea five years later it would look like what it does now. And here you are, right? So I'm going to push back and say, yes, you can, but you are that too. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you're coaching me. Thank you for coaching me in this interview. Greatly appreciated. And you're absolutely right. And I also, I think that speaks to like the things that each individual sees as inherently risky. So for me, I'm like, well, if the podcast fails, I just stop doing it. But like being in Hong Kong without a way to get back, like that sounds way more terrifying and risky to me or being in laws or in business business school and not being able to pay. I totally hear what you're saying. And it's funny how we all see things risk differently. And that goes back to the truth about fear, which you were talking about, that like, it's always going to be there. And so you get to just decide where and how you're going to let it hold you back or not and decide that you're going to do things in spite of it and figure it out as you go. Yeah, I think we forget that we have you know, we are creative individuals, we we can figure it out as we go. I mean, hey, everybody listening, we figured our way through 2020. And here we all are now, right? Right. So yeah, we can, you know, for me, what was the worst case? And that's one of the strategies I use too, is like, what's the worst that can happen? I don't find a job, things don't work out, I can fly back to England, my family's there. So yeah, get myself into debt. Yeah, I'll have to work, pull my finger out, get a job and pay it off. Right. And yeah, I did pay it off anyway, because I did get into debt going into business school and it got paid. As most people would. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think that it sounds kind of cliched where there's a will, there's a way. We're so used to looking outside of ourselves for what's the right way to do things. What's the way that will guarantee us absolute success? And I don't think that exists. There's one way. But there is like your way, you build that path, you create that journey as you go. Absolutely. So what prompted you? So speaking of all your leaps, so you've referenced this kind of inkling when you were working corporate around like, hmm, maybe I could help people in the self help space, and then kind of putting that on the back burner and get in just continuing in your corporate role. Can you share that transition deciding to leave corporate and getting into the space to support women in the way that you do? It's funny, it wasn't from that straight into this space. There was an intermediate part where, you know, I've always wanted to the challenge of starting my own business. And what I initially did was I left corporate. I trained at culinary school to be a pastry chef. And that's what I did. And, you know, the whole idea of starting my own baking business as well as consulting for other food businesses was part of the plan. What wasn't part of the plan was my son 
having a health condition when he was first born and, you know, stepping off from everything to take care of him. And, you know, it made me reassess whether I wanted to do this because the thing about owning a bakery business, it's brick and mortar that you would be tied in your weekends would be the busiest. And that's when, you know, family time is because my husband has a Monday to Friday job. So, you know, for me, work isn't, I say work is not just a part of my life. It's not apart from my life. It's all part of it, right? And so, yeah, I had to step back and reassess, well, what do I really want to do? And for a while, I focused on doing some consulting and some teaching, but it wasn't lighting me up in the same way. And it wasn't until 2017 that I actually spent money getting my own coach to help me figure out, well, what next? that I realized that this was the work that I wanted to do. And even then I didn't do it right away. I went off into like, well, what's flexible for me? I went off into freelance writing for a little bit and it took me three jobs just to realize, (laughs) nope, that's not it. But I had to try it, right? It's about taking action and getting data back to see if it's, you know, are you getting warmer or colder from what you want? And yeah, that that was telling me it's not the right path. And so it was, do I want to do this? And knowing that there was... Well, for me, it sounded like because I've been immersed in this world for so long, it felt like there was tons of coaches out there. Why do I want to be another one? But, you know, once I stepped into it, it just felt like such a natural part of me. And I haven't looked back since, you know. I love it. Yeah, I was a bit reluctant to get into it. And now I'm in, I'm all in. Right. But that, I mean, that's how you know you found the thing, right? Yeah. And you're in the right place. So I know that you have three ways that women in particular get in their own way of taking a stand for themselves. And I'm guessing that for you to be like, I'm all in now, like when you start talking about these kinds of things, it's easy. And this is how I feel too. It's easy to be all in because you see the potential in other women and you see the potential for power and leadership. And you're like, there's no turning back. Like I can't go back to, there's nothing wrong with having a bakery. That's also a really awesome thing to do and a great way to serve your community. But when you're like, oh wait, but I could help like a whole bunch of women get out of their way and they could go make bake, build bakeries. Like, let's do that. So can you talk about those, the three ways that you see this happening with women? The first way it goes back to how I was a lot of the time is, you know, we put others first, not that it's a bad thing, but we put others first to so much to an extent that we might be burnt out or when we start feeling resented, resentment, that's when we know that it's a bit much, right? And what we struggle with is, is setting those boundaries so that, we can put some of that towards ourselves too. Um, The thing about, it sounds really noble and great. And, you know, I put others first in a lot of different areas. You know, my family is important. Like if anything happened to, I would drop everything for that, for them, right? But it's when the resentment sets in, that means something's that the balance for yourself isn't right. And what I want to say to that is that, you know, when your cup is empty, it's really hard. It's harder to help people from an empty cup as opposed to when your cup is full and you're helping people. Yeah. So there has to be harmony in that. So finding that within yourself, you know, what is important for you? What do you really want to say yes to? And what do you want to say no to? And then doing the mindset work around being comfortable with that, you know? Yeah, that's the hard part because we can list the yeses and the noes pretty quickly. It's this doing it comfortably and recognizing that 
like to make those yeses and nos more clear and then also more comfortable so that you're not scared to say yes or no, that it's an like easy and automatic yes or no. Right. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. And then one of the other ways is that I call it the once I have this, then I'll do that effect. Right. We put our life on hold. You know, once I've lost the 20 pounds, then I'll go buy these calls. Once I have, you know, I finish this course, then I might apply for that job. And the thing is, we can give ourselves permission now, because if you've got an inkling that something seems right for you, I think what you're waiting for is really just to give yourself permission rather than there's not many things you have to retrain in. I mean, if somebody wanted to open a bakery, do not have to go to culinary school. And I can tell you that now. Right. And there's, there's lots of examples of people who have gone on to start a business in baking without culinary school. I just thought it was fun to go do that. And also, yes, I'm a bit overqualified <laughs> in that sense. Yeah. So I'm telling you, no, you can give yourself permission for us and go do it. We see this in the life coaching space all the time that and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of reasons to be to be certified as a life coach and get a certification and get a quality certification. But we also see people and I was one of them who like had been coaching in various ways for 15 years. And then I thought when I started the show, I was like, well, I can't really coach people until I go get a certification. And a friend was like, do you understand what you've been doing as a career for 15 years? Right. And you actually worked in a psychiatric hospital before that? Like, I'm pretty sure you can coach people without waiting for the certification. Yeah, there's good coaches that have no certification. There's back coaches that have a certification. Exactly. Yes. It totally works both ways. I did it because, you know, it was a way that what was involved was having to get real clients, having to get a hundred hours. So it was almost, that was a process that kept me accountable to go out and do the thing that was uncomfortable for me, which was going out and getting the clients. And now 
it doesn't feel uncomfortable because I've found my own way to, you know, I'm not trying to grab somebody to do something they don't want or pay for something they don't want. But I needed to go through that process. And that's why it was more about that rather than having the certificate at the end of the day. Yeah. So no, you don't need it. I'm not one of those because I've had one. I say everybody's going to have one. I don't necessarily be, believe that's true. And the third way is that, you know, it's about trusting ourselves. It, we, you know, we get in our own way by not trusting ourselves enough. We, we put too much weight on what other people say, what society says, on what we need before we can get started. And everyone's always got an opinion. So, you know, the whole idea that you will ever get to a place where you'll get at least 90 or however many percent of people to agree before you feel ready to start, that doesn't really happen. And the, the way around that is to really just, I mean, look back, take inventory of what you've done so far. And remember what you said on your recent episode where you talked about leadership, Sarah, that we are more qualified than we think we are. Yes. And there's experiences that are transferable, things that we've done that can help us in whatever else that we want to move forward to. I mean, most of your listeners, if not all of them, are they're all moms. You've birthed kids. You've done one of the most amazing things. You've not only birthed them, you're taking care of them. Yes, you've kept them alive. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of juggling. And yeah, if you can do that, I think we can go a lot further in just trusting ourselves and just allowing ourselves to move forward rather than waiting for society to tell us when we can move forward. Absolutely. And that goes back to what we were talking about early on in this conversation, that we are so conditioned to wait for permission or wait for an invitation or think that we have to do things that make others happy and like that that needs to be the first priority rather than like listening inward and acknowledging and owning our gifts and what we really want to do. And that's, you gave some really powerful examples of how that's shown up for you in culturally, and then also as a female. And I think that we all have parts of that, that we have to overcome and that we have to, it is a looking inward versus listening outward. And we sometimes let the, we listen way more outward, way more than we look inward. I think we absolutely do. And we've, we've forgotten that we have, we have that wisdom and we have, and I sound a bit woo woo now maybe, but we have that wisdom. We have that voice that tells us, you know, we can do it. We just don't pay enough attention as much as all the loud voices that are coming at us from the outside. Right. What's your advice for someone who's being pulled between multiple worlds and how can they integrate the different facets of their identity? So when I, you know, I had this feeling inside of me, but I could never articulate it. And it wasn't until I read Brenny Brown's book. It's called Braving the Wilderness. It's not as popular as one of her other titles, Darren Greatly, but in that book, she talks about belonging. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And what she said was, and I hope I've got this correct, it was something along the lines of, true belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. And, you know, how I interpreted that for myself was that, you know, people are always wanting to place you into a checkbox, you know, are you, and for me, it was like, I was never white enough. I was never yellow enough. You know, in my days in Hong Kong, I wasn't, I wasn't compared to the locals. I wasn't Chinese enough. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm caught in between. But what I've realized is that, you know, whether it's cultural or professional or, you know, in our personal lives, that the checkboxes that we 
people want to put us into, we don't have to go into them. We have can create our own unique checkbox by really owning, you know, what has value and what has meaning for, for me. And it's shedding away the beliefs that have been placed on me and the expectations that have been placed on me and not taking ownership for any of that. And, you know, once I could feel that, okay, I can do this. And the other part was being okay with not everybody getting me and being okay with that and learning to embrace that. And that's true for anyone. Nobody's loved or 100%. Nobody gets you 100%. I mean, look at the people. And I always give this example. I mean, you think of some any famous actor or singer, they have people who love their music and dislike their music at the same time, right? But they don't stop their lives because somebody doesn't like what they're doing in life. Yeah. And if we can take a piece of that for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think when I'm watching younger musical artists, so like we recently watched the Grammys and I'm thinking, I'm watching, I'm like, huh, I wonder if that person's parents think that this is art (laughs) where there's like someone dancing almost naked on stage in a very (laughs) suggestive way and not even thinking it like judging it from my own perspective, whether or not I like it or think it's appropriate or whatever, but thinking like, I wonder what that person's parents think and what does the artist think of when they're creating something? Are they thinking, well, my mom's not going to like this, so I'm not going to do it. No, they're thinking like, this is my art and this is who I am and I'm here to create this and put it out there for the people who will feel more included by it and more included because I'm sharing my gifts. And that is a scary and vulnerable step to take. Like no matter what, you know, you don't need to be dancing half naked on stage to feel that feeling. (laughs) Even telling your friends like, hey, I'm going to quit my corporate job and become a life coach or a business coach, or I'm going to start a podcast or any of those things. You're changing the sense of self, not necessarily changing your sense of self, but how you share that with others and how others will now see you. And you definitely do have to have this sense of I'm willing to be different, look different and take that risk and also still have this sense of conviction that like I'm going to still belong and I might belong in a different place now or, you know, I'm going to open up belonging in new areas, but this is who I am and who I'm becoming. Yeah, I think the more that we can move to a world where we learn to embrace each other for our own uniqueness rather than because we fall into a certain category or certain group that's been established, I think the more we can move to that, the you know, the better things will be. And, you know, part of that involves us taking ownership for our own lives and stepping up into what we really want and owning that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Why do so many women feel like they are both too much and also not enough? Yeah. You suggested that we talk about this and I was like, holy cow, because I get how long you got? <laughs> right, I know. And I fall into the camp of like, oh my gosh, am I going to be too much? Like I'm always like raising a stink about something. Am I going to be too much if I say something this time and that time? And But then there's other circumstances where I do get the not enough, that feeling. And then, uh, yeah, like it was surprising to me where I was like, oh yeah, like both of those for sure, <laughs> probably in all of us. You know, we. I think a lot of that, and we've talked about it earlier on in this call, I think it comes down to the all the external messaging that we're getting, right? And there's a conflict in that message. Again, it's that double bind between you have to be, you know, you can be intelligent, but not too intelligent, right? Otherwise, you're not enough of being likable and being feminine or whatnot. You don't see that as much at all. Like, say, using the word ambitious, if you said, oh, he's ambitious, 
okay, like, you know, there's not as much baggage around that. But when you say she's ambitious, then a lot of people might interpret that as, oh, she's pushy, or maybe I'm not, you know, I don't know if I want to be friends with that. Or she's probably neglecting her children, if you're talking about a mom. Something like that, right? There's so much baggage around that. So you can't win. It's like, you know, if you're not ambitious, then, oh, you're a pushover. right? <laughs> so, you know, and like you're saying, either, you know, if you're expressive, you're asked, you feel like you have to tone it down. But when you're too quiet, that like you're not enough, you know, there's no personality, there's nothing around that. But about the quiet thing, I've spoken to enough women who say they're quiet, that actually you get to know them. They have a whole story. They have a lot of brilliance around them that, that you know, that needs to be brought out. So what I see is that, you know, the game is stacked against us. The goalposts are constantly moving. And if the goalposts are constantly moving, you actually can't win. So my answer is that you don't play that game. You play your own game. And once I saw that, I'm like, okay. And what might be involved in playing in your own game is knowing that it might feel uncomfortable. People won't get it because you're breaking a norm that people are expecting from you, right? And I'm actually seeing more and more women who are breaking those norms that they can stand and be firm. And yes, some people might say, oh, she's a bitch or whatnot. The woman's not taking it on. And the more we can see people who will stand up and be more of that, it become, it feels normal. It no longer feels like it's a different thing for a woman to be ambitious versus a man being ambitious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting in the space of being an entrepreneur and having your own business, you have not a lot of limits on, you know, if you want to be too much, you can go and be too much, like, and you'll attract the people who like it that you're too much and that you're loud and that you're, right. you know, all those things. And but then there's other spaces where that is not so kindly looked upon. And same thing with being not enough or being more quiet or reserved. And, you know, definitely works both ways. I know, I was recently invited to do something be a part of something at my son's school. And I had to I told the person who invited me, I said, I'm interested in helping with this, but I have a lot of opinions. And you have to know, like the work that I do, it requires me to give my opinions all the time every single day. So if you're ready for that, like I'm in, but like, that's just who I am. And I can't really temper it. And the person was like, Oh, no, that sounds great. That's what we're looking for. And I was like, Okay, cool, let's do it. <laughs> I think you've alluded to a great point there that you've really helped to set the context before you dive in. And you've established whether that's the place where they want you or not. But, you know, in some areas, as we're making change in this world, that waiting for the permission isn't always for someone to be okay with it, isn't always going to help, right? And there's going to be people who will say, yeah, absolutely. There's things you have to do without like this, you know, I was fortunate in this situation where I could give or take this opportunity. Like if they said no, it wasn't a big deal. But there's definitely other situations to your point where like if we want to create the change or we want to see things shift in a new direction or a different direction to create more space for women or for women of color or for people of color or what have you, there is times when you have to take a chance and is high risk and you go in and you have to be too much and you don't wait for an invitation or ask for permission first because you're never going to get that invitation or that permission. Right. And, you know, the surprising thing is that you'll actually find that there are people who are there to support you. If not, you go find a different crowd. There will always be people who support you. Right. Yeah. It's finding the right place and finding the other people who are also in that position of like, we're also going to take the chance of being too much because someone needs to do it. Right. And, you know, 
your show is one example of that, of creating a space for moms and for women in general to really get used to taking up that space. Can you tell us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom? I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so I'm really working at letting go of that perfection. Me too. And I'm really bad at letting go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm better at listening to myself. I can feel that tightness within myself if I'm trying too hard. That to me is my own sign of, okay, I'm trying too hard and I got to let go. And so, and also part of letting go of that perfection is knowing that I don't have to do it alone, whether it's, you know, for my work or at home, I don't have to do any of it by myself. We have so much of this messaging around like trying to be super women, right? You know, so I'm letting that go. (laughs) I love it. No more superwoman necessary. (laughs) Okay, Pauline, this has been a really great conversation. I'm so glad that you said yes when I, in the middle of a (laughs) a mastermind call, just called you out and said, hey, you need to pitch me. Yeah, I was a bit shocked, but (laughs) nicely shocked. (laughs) I could tell you were like, oh, oh, okay. I didn't know that was going in this direction, (laughs) but but I'm so glad that you did because I think we've covered so much valuable content here. So I want you to tell people how you work with women and where they can find you and connect with you and check you out more if they want to take things to the next step and get involved with the work that you do. Yes, thank you for asking. So the best way to find me is on my site. It's called paulinechungcoaching.com. And Chung is spelled with an E in it. And on there, I have a free guide. It's called Five Ways to Step Out of Your Comfort Zone and Into Greater Confidence. And what it is, it's a guide with some exercises, five different exercises that help you get comfortable with all those wobbly sensations that come up when you're stepping out of your comfort zone and wanting to do something that you've never done before. And the great thing about these exercises is that they're safe. You're not going to get fired and you'll find out that, you know, there's no test to pass and you'll find out that you really won't die from doing that, from feeling those sensations. It's just getting used to that wobbly feeling that tells you like, no, you shouldn't do it, but you can work through that. And so if you can't, for me, if you don't get comfortable with that, it's really hard to step up. And I just want people to practice that in a safe space and oh, just get used to it and know that and be and when they really have to show up, you know, that those sensations no longer bother them or hold them back. So yeah, I have that to offer. Perfect. Okay, so I'm going to link in our show notes. So if people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Pauline Chung. Did I say that correctly? Chung? Yes. Okay. Yay, I've been practicing. So <laughs> click on the episode with Pauline Chung. And then you can get the confidence guide that way. Or you can go to paulinechungcoaching.com slash confidence guide, correct? Yes. Okay. So we'll have it linked up in the show notes. And then spelling of your last name is C-H-E-U-N-G. So paulinechunkcoaching.com and then paulinechunkcoaching.com slash confidence guide. And Pauline, thank you. Oh my goodness. This has been a really special conversation and I'm so grateful that you came and joined me today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued 
over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 